Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Do you struggle with knowing exactly what you should be doing to move the needle forward in your business? And do you struggle with knowing what to focus on next? If so, if this sounds like you, I have two solutions for you. Number one is mastermind groups. There is so much power in getting people together and helping to solve each other's problems. At Eat Blog Talk, we have put together our own mastermind groups and we are hosting these weekly. You can join at any time. You can try it out for a month or you can sign up for a quarter or you can go all in and sign up for an entire year. Come join us, see if it's a great fit for you. And this will really help you to solve those problems you're having in your business and give you clarity about what you should be doing next to move your business forward. The next solution is the Eat Blog Talk membership. I have spent all of 2021 so far putting so much value inside of the membership. It is such a supportive and wonderful place to be for food bloggers. We are learning so much from each other. We are joining together in monthly intensive calls where we focus on very specific parts of food blogging in order to grow our businesses in massive ways. We also have guest experts come in and join us very regularly to talk about really specific parts of food blogging. And we get one-on-one access to these experts, such as Matt Mullen from Email Crush, Casey Marquis from MediaWise. So many great people are joining us in these sessions and they are super valuable. There are so many reasons why you should be in the membership. I could not even start touching on all of it. If you're tired of wandering around aimlessly in your business and not knowing what to focus on, Give the membership a try for free for two weeks. Go to eatblogtalk.com. You can sign up for the masterminds there, and you can also start the process of getting into the membership for two weeks just to check it out. The rest of us can't wait to see you inside. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk. This podcast is for you, food bloggers wanting value and clarity to help you find greater success in your business. Super excited. I have Kaylin Frankie with me today from IntoTheCookieJar.com, and we're going to have a super fun chat about expanding your business by running multiple niche blogs. After traffic to her travel blogs fell during COVID, Kaylin started up another site into the cookie jar. She focused primarily on cookie recipes with some additional desserts. From the success of Into the Cookie Jar, Kaylin decided to start two additional sites and now runs four websites across different niches, including food. I am so excited to hear more about this, Kaylin. It's so intriguing. But first, we all want to hear your fun fact. Sure. Thank you for having me. So my fun fact is when I was in elementary school, my bedroom was featured in a design magazine, not from my own doing, but my grandmother, um, she actually painted an Alice in Wonderland mural all over my wall. Um, So my mom still has the magazine where my grandma and I are like 
faking a tea party in front of this mural um, and talking about her artwork. Um, so that would be my fun fact. Oh my gosh, that's the coolest thing ever. Do you have a, I'm sure you have like tons of pictures and. Somewhere, yeah. During my teenage years, I painted over it. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, you know, 13 years old. Alice in Wonderland wasn't as cool anymore. But when I was a kid, it was definitely the coolest bedroom. Oh my goodness. That's so cool. I love it. So your grandma has an artistic flair. She does. Oh, that's amazing. My mother is an incredible artist. She's like the most talented person I know. And I just get so envious of people who have that just natural ability to produce art like that. It's the coolest thing ever. So cool. I'm glad you shared that. Um, Okay, so let's talk about your story with your blogs, because this is really cool, too. I love how you saw an opportunity or a need really to change and shift during COVID. You had travel blogs. Oh my gosh, my husband is in the travel business and it's been a rough year for travel people. So you, yeah, so you saw that need like and immediately just did it. Like, okay, I need to change and you changed. So I want you to just talk through that and how long did it take you to change? Um, you know, what happened to your travel blogs? Are they completely non-existent? And how this past year has evolved for you with your blogs? Sure. So I, my first blog um, is and was called Girl Gone London. And that's all about UK travel and specifically Americans coming to the UK because I live here now with my British husband, but am American um, if your audience can't tell by my accent. And so, so that blog was all about the UK. And that was really my first blog. And I also, funnily enough, worked um, in international education, which also really relies on travel. So that was my day job for a lot of years. And then COVID happened. And overnight, obviously, everywhere in the world, but particularly the UK, you know, people weren't allowed in, we were on lockdown. And also my, uh, my day job at the time, which relied on students traveling here was basically gone overnight. And I, I didn't, I, I took a couple of, of days to kind of, you know, once we realized that this was serious and it wasn't just going away in a couple of weeks, like we all seem to think at the time, um, you know, I had to decide what to do. And a couple of weeks before the pandemic, I had finally taken a cookie decorating class um, in person before we knew what was happening, just because I'd always been interested in learning how to do it. I've always liked baking as a hobby Um, and had just kind of finally started to get into it. And I thought, well, if travel isn't going to come back for who knows how long, I'm not sure what's happening with my job or what else I can do. Maybe I'll start another site. And I decided to start into the cookie jar because I thought, you know, um, people talked about niching down and doing what you were good at. And so I thought, well, I'll kind of take my readers on this journey of me learning how to bake and decorate cookies And so Into the Cookie Jar was born. And because we were on lockdown here for, you know, the whole year almost, I had a lot of time that I wouldn't have had. And so I spent just, you know, like 10 hours a day baking, decorating cookies, taking pictures. I already knew how to blog. So that was the one benefit. I didn't have to start over in that sense. And yeah, so I just focused on Into the Cookie Jar. And it was about five or six months kind of from March last year where I was able to monetize with Mediavine and 
um, you know, had grown my email list to 2,000 people that were that were reading the the recipes that I was sending out. And I sort of realized in all of this craziness, I was able to pivot, which was really nice. But I also had this fear of, well, you know, I've had something happen to my main site and now I've pivoted, but what happens if something happens to this site? So then I decided I'm enjoying you know, starting another blog, it was easier for me because I already knew what I was doing with blogging. And so I decided to start two more. And my husband also has started one. um, But mine, I decided to start one on American travel, which I had faith that would come back a lot faster than maybe international. And another one, which is about productivity and um, working from home, but really, you know, with your your food blogging audience, there's so much potential. My husband has actually started um, his own food site, and there's tons of potential in food to start multiple sites. But that's kind of how I ended up with four sites when I had one at the start of the pandemic, and now I'm super into the idea of everybody having multiple blogs. Yeah, it's such an intriguing idea and it's really tempting, but it's also hard because we kind of think of our original blogs as our babies, right? And we're like, how could we ever spend time doing anything else? Because this is my initial blog, but you have such a good standpoint because yeah, like anything could happen and you had this fear that something else would happen to your um, your new blog into the cookie jar. And so that kind of propelled you forward to create others. So I love that you not only have multiple food blogs, but you have, you know, like American travel and productivity. So you're really branching out big time. And like you said, Kaylin, you already had the blogging down. You already know how to blog and everyone listening knows how to blog. So it really isn't that much work to start a new blog. I mean, how much time do you invest in your blogs each week, would you say? Well, I now I'm lucky enough to be able to do this, do all of my sites full time because my day job never came back. So, um, but that's been fantastic for me to have that opportunity. So I would say per blog, maybe 10 10 hours a week. But obviously the benefit of having multiple blogs is that you can choose to, you know, there's different ways of going about it. So right now, UK, my original site on UK travel, it's still not really, you know, travel's not coming back to that site anytime soon internationally. It might be another six months or so. So I just let it, I just let it sit. I focus on the other sites, which, you know, it's nice to feel like you're working on things that are getting somewhere. And also when you build your site with things like SEO and long-term like Pinterest search traffic, your site can just sit there for a little bit and marinate. It's not going to lose, you know, it's it's not going to, to fall off the cliff overnight if you transition your focus for a little bit. So you talked about five months to monetizing via ads, which is incredible. I think a lot of people listening will be like, um, yes, please. So what was your what was the magic there? Was it just the fact that you were really, really niched, do you think? Or was there something additional that you did to get ads on your site that fast? I think there were a couple of things. The first thing is obviously any food blogger, anyone with a food blog in 2020 got a little bit of a boost from everybody being at home, baking and cooking and having the time for that. So that was helpful to have an audience who was, you know, ready to bake. Um, But the other thing that 
like you said, niching down was so good for me because there were a lot of Facebook groups, Facebook pages um, that focused specifically on cookie baking. So it it wasn't just like best food ever Facebook group. It would be best cookies ever. And so there, there were these groups that everybody just wanted cookie recipes. So in that sense, I was able to really find my audience a lot easier because I knew exactly where they were hanging out. You know, people hang out in Christmas cookie groups all year long because all they're doing is just waiting for December so they can bake cookies. So in that sense, it, it made it so much easier to find my people. Do you agree with this, that just having uh, multiple areas to focus on is beneficial to a blogger because, you know, you're not trying to deliver so many different things to a single audience. Does that make sense? So by separating them out, you're actually benefiting the people you're serving. Do you agree with that? I absolutely think so. I think when you go on a site, you know, I think back in the day, we all, I started blogging in 2013 or 2014. And definitely the the kind of one blog per person made sense. People followed people for personalities. And I so I completely, you know, understand that perspective. But I think nowadays, there are, you know, so much emphasis on SEO and on somebody who doesn't necessarily know your site coming to your site and it's amazing for them to just click around really anywhere they want and everything will apply to them. Obviously that's a little bit, you know, not everything will apply to them, but if I if I had, you know, when you have a, a food blog and you separate it into maybe vegetarian or meat or this is gluten-free or this is vegan and things like that. That works for a lot of people, but I definitely think that there is benefit in having a gluten-free baking blog and someone going on your site can just spend tons of time and everything will apply to them. I was talking to a blogger recently who had like a yogurt on her site and she's not like a vegan blogger. She doesn't say that, but she does have a lot of vegan recipes. So one of her readers was like, how could you do this? How could you ever put yogurt on your site? This isn't a vegan ingredient and just like lashed into her. And she was like, oh my gosh, I've never said that I was a vegan blogger. So doing this kind of um, <laughs> eliminates that issue, right? So if you are a vegan blogger, keep it all vegan on one site and then um, do other things on another site, if that makes sense. So kind of eliminating um, people's challenges with what they're seeing too, so they're not conflicted. Sure. And it people ask the question a lot of times like, oh, uh, rebranding their main site because maybe something's changed in their life or now they have kids and they want to do like kid friendly, but is my existing audience going to respond? And starting a new site just kind of takes away needing to figure out anything with your existing audience, as long as you're still interested, obviously, in in your main topic. Um, but, you know, there's, I feel like we all have multiple sides to ourselves and multiple interests, whether it's, you know, food and elsewhere or multiple interests in different areas of cooking or different types of food. And so it is nice to be able to actually express all those sides, but not confuse your audience. I totally agree with that. Oh, you said that so well. Yeah, that was perfect. So which of your sites does the best financially, which brings in the most revenue? And do you feel more secure having uh, multiple sites? I'm sure you do just kind of spread out. 
Sure. So that, that answer kind of goes hand in hand because which one does better financially does depend on seasonality. So um, Into the Cookie Jar was my best one over the holidays because everyone wanted to bake and um, the other food site that my husband runs is more summer seasonality. So you know, that was just doing amazing over the holidays. Now that we're looking into the summer, for me, my American travel site is doing the best, but that kind of answers the second question as well. I feel so much more secure knowing that I have these different sources of income and that I'm not just relying on one site. And it doesn't have to do with just seasonality. I've been hit in the past by Google algorithm updates and overnight lost like two thirds of my traffic. Yeah, to my there. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like you put so much energy in these, you know, in these things. And it it's obviously hard just from a perspective of, you know, not knowing what to do to fix it. But it can also be really hard if you're relying on your family's income from one site like that can be a huge overnight life shift that you can wake up one day and just suddenly something like that has happened. So it, it's really fun for me to to be able to, again, yeah, in the holidays, I love to focus on into the cookie jar. I can't wait for this upcoming holiday season to just put all of my time and energy into that and know that it's going to do really well. And I don't have to focus on the ones that maybe seasonally aren't doing as well. So I feel like I sleep a lot better at night just having these diverse streams coming in. Oh my gosh, I think that's so smart. And as you were talking, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to have like four blogs that each focus on a season so that you yes. don't have to oh, worry about code. Yes. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about that seasonality thing because we all feel it, all of us anyway who just have one blog, which I think is most of us. And for me, summer months, a huge dip in traffic. I do not get much traction for summer recipes. I have a good blogger friend who does only summer recipes or she's like a focus. She has a focus on grilling and more summer foods. So her dip is during the winter months, which is totally opposite for me. Um, so yeah, just like, let's see, summer food. And then obviously like cookies or baking. Um, and then for spring, you could do like um, pies or Easter themed food or I don't know I'd have to think more about that and then fall could be apples mm -hmm. pumpkin yeah, recipes pumpkin oh my gosh you could there's so many pumpkin recipes mm -hmm. to make oh goodness well I've been thinking about starting a second site recently just for these same reasons and my husband is kind of looking just to help me out a little bit so I was like we should totally come up with something separate but it is scary it's really scary to think about having to manage not just another blog but also like social media so what are your thoughts on that is it just insane to manage all of those social media accounts so what I would say is having multiple sites has actually and what, what you just said is basically what everyone says to me when thinking about multiple sites and what I thought about it too like it's going to be so much work I, I'm going to have, you know, four different Pinterest accounts, four different Facebook pages, and it's going to be too much. But what I'll say is that when you have multiple sites and you have limited time, you are forced to actually figure out where the ROI is in your business. And that has been so freeing for me 
just speaking personally, when I had just one site, I, you know, that was all I had to focus on. So I felt like I needed to be everywhere. I needed to be on Instagram. I needed to be on YouTube. I needed to be on TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest, you name it. I, you know, needed to be there because that's what everyone else was doing. But when you have multiple sites, unless you have a team, which I don't, I do not think it's possible for the majority of people to manage that much. So I had to really quickly decide, first of all, where is my audience for this particular site? And what do I enjoy spending my time on? So for instance, Into the Cookie Jar doesn't have an Instagram. I know it's really popular in the food blogging community. Like everyone has a beautiful Instagram. That's not really my thing in terms of the social media I enjoy. And also I wasn't planning on working with brands as much. So I didn't feel like I needed it. So I don't have an Instagram. I just focus on Pinterest and I have a Facebook group for Into the Cookie Jar, which again is is easy because it's just about cookies. I found my audience. It wasn't hard to grow. Facebook just kind of sent me loads of traffic over the holidays and that's it. I don't have anything else for that. And my other sites, some of them I have, I have less than that. I just focus on organic traffic for one of them. So I think, you know, it, people are, are so right when they say, well, you know, I guess there is a superhuman out there who could do it all. But I think for most of us, I think we're all we're right in thinking, you know, that just sounds like a lot of extra time. I do not have the hours in a day. But once you pick and choose, you realize you don't need to be everywhere. And that's actually it's been like really freeing and nice to be like, I have a successful blog. And also, I don't like Instagram, so I'm not on it. It's just a nice way to to go about your business, just doing things that really are bringing you, you know, the page views or the money or whatever it is you're after. Kaylin, it sounds like you're the queen of the anti-FOMO because we all fall into that FOMO trap where we we fear we're missing out. And that is honestly the reason that so many people dive into all the platforms because we hear, oh my gosh, everything is going on over at TikTok. You've got to go check that out. So we do it because we hear that we're supposed to and everyone else is doing it. But you're just like, nope, sorry, that's not where my people are. That's not where I need to be. I'm not interested. So I actually really respect that. That's amazing. I feel like you could teach a class on how to overcome FOMO. (laughs) That's so funny. I mean, yeah, you, and once, and this is the thing, you're forced into that perspective because it's like, I have four websites and there's one of me. I, you just, you can't do it all. So you really, you know, as much as you have, you, you're just forced into this new way of thinking that I think can be really beneficial and actually really good for business because, you know, it, spending all of that time on stuff that actually when you look at the hard numbers, you know, for me, I'm in blogging for the money and the freedom that it gives me. So I'm not, you know, I'm not just in it to to have a certain amount of followers on a social media site. But if you look into how many hours that people spend that are kind of wasted on these things that don't bring any, they don't bring anything back into their business. And then they also stress them out. It just becomes a no brainer. It's, it reminds me of Parkinson's law that, you know, work expands to fill the time you allot for it or something like that. And that kind of applies here with what you're saying. So you have a certain amount of time to work on so many blogs and you only have that much time. You're only a single person. So that is the time you you make it happen, right? You spend that time. So if we have one blog and we've got all these different accounts, of course, we're going to spend time on all of them. 
But this just makes me think we should all sit down and evaluate what platforms we actually need. I mean, maybe we are spending time on things right now that we don't need to be. Yeah, I totally, even now still, I find, I always find things that I was, I did have a Facebook page for Into the Cookie Jar and I was posting consistently and finally I was like, maybe I should check if this is doing anything. And I actually, you know, dug into my analytics and kind of checked things um, because often we always have stuff on a schedule, a scheduler, many of us do. So a lot of us, you know, I wasn't like actually on my Facebook page posting, I scheduled it on Facebook, and then just kind of let it run. But then I looked back at it. And I was like, Oh, this isn't really doing anything. And I'm not sure why I think I need to have one, except everybody says that you need to have one. And so, yeah, I, I have a group, but not a page and a Pinterest, but not an Instagram. And people just, you know, take a hard look at at where where you show up online and whether you need to be there because often, yeah, you might not need to be. And how long do you push? Because I've pushed on my Facebook page for almost 11 years. I have not, I mean, considering how long I've been doing this, I have not as many followers as I quote should. So it's like, how long do I do that? But yeah, everyone tells you, you have to manage your Facebook page. You have to keep up with it just because, because you're a blogger, because you're a food blogger. But really, do I need to? Because I don't get traffic from Facebook, nothing significant anyway. Um, My platforms are Pinterest and I enjoy Instagram, so I can't see letting go of that. But I've been so tempted over the years just to let Facebook go and die because it like it gives me nothing. You and should I've put, totally do it. I know. I, I know. Thank you. I think the thing too is we all, I think that, again, I think maybe that stemmed from an age in blogging where it was about like, I am one person and I am on all of these sites. And that's not to say that people don't have like loyal readers these days. Like that's all great. But I don't know, I've never been, I've never looked up a food recipe or looked up a travel itinerary or looked up something and then gone to their Facebook page or then been disappointed if they didn't have a Facebook page. I mean, some social media presence is obviously super important for a lot of people. Um, But, you know, if you're if you're doing great on Pinterest or you know, into the cookie jar, I could send them to a Facebook group. I've never had anyone say like, why don't you have a Facebook page? Right. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's going to complain. And especially if there's nobody there, right? If there's nobody there, who's going to complain about it? (laughs) That's kind of funny. Like, what am I doing? I don't know. Sometimes I look at my, you know, something that I'm doing within my business and think, what in the world? Things have changed so much and I haven't adapted. And this just reminds me that I need to sometimes look at what's going on in the individual parts of my business and just evaluate and see, like, does something need to change? Do I need to let go of this? Yeah, this is really enlightening for me. So give us, uh, make a case for this. Like you've said a lot of things, but if someone's on the fence and they're like, Kaylin, I really want to start a second blog, but I don't know. What would you say to them? Like, yes, you should do it because. Okay. So the first reason that I would say is like we talked about being able to express different sides of yourself and really hone in to those 
niches for yourself without confusing your audience. I think that's always a great thing. And that's, you know, and this is for someone starting a new site. So obviously a lot of people have, you know, fantastic sites that are, it's their one blog and it's just about food, all kinds of food. But if you're thinking of starting a new site, it just gives you this avenue to explore something new, which is can never be a bad thing. Um, but when it comes down to your actual business and why I really believe in this, I think nowadays niching down is where it's at in terms of successful sites, successful social media followings. I think, you know, in terms of having your audience just be super engaged because you know that whoever's going to who's whoever's going to open that email on your email list is totally interested in basically all of the content on your site. Um, that's that's a great thing for social media. But the other thing is organic traffic is so important these days as well, especially with all the changes in social media and Pinterest deciding overnight that suddenly like your account is dipped for no reason or, you know, um, I did talk about the Google algorithm updates that I've experienced in the past, but I'm still a super firm believer that SEO and organic traffic is really the the best long-term option. And I think Google, you know, I've experienced this with my sites and I'm not an SEO expert, but in my experience, Google rewards sites that are niche down more and more. And I think that has to do with the way that you can basically interlink on your site to such a great extent. You have such a great, um, you know, you don't just have one gluten-free recipe on your new gluten-free site. You've got 100 gluten-free recipes and Google must look at that and think, you know, this person knows what they're talking about. So it's good for Google. Um, it's good for your social media. Like I was saying before, just in today's day and age, you don't know what's going to happen online. And if you are in a position like I am where my blogging income is basically, you know, our income and it's all about the blogs. Having multiple sites just means that if one is dipping, I can focus on why is this dipping without also panicking that I need to run out and get a day job that I don't want tomorrow. So I feel like, you know, I, it's just, it's a great idea to diversify. People always talk about diversifying your revenue streams on your one site, but diversifying your revenue streams throughout multiple sites is even more of a sure bet than just having one site. And, you know, I think the number one objection, like we've talked about, is people saying, well, I'm, I do not have enough time. And if you are already overwhelmed at the thought of having a second site, obviously, you know, you do you, don't worry about it. But I know a lot of people are kind of on the fence or they're kind of thinking about it. And you would be surprised how quickly you can grow a second site because you've already you already know what you're doing. I, you already know how to blog. You're just blogging about a different topic. So you're not spending all of that time relearning all of this stuff that we all associate with how long it takes to start a blog. You're, you're really starting ahead in the game. And it's not as overwhelming as you might think if as long as you've been blogging for a little while. Well, you just convinced me that was like the best case ever. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saying all of that, Kaylin. So what if somebody doesn't know what to focus on? What are your recommendations for picking a super specific niche? So I think the first thing to do is figure out if anything on your existing site, um, you know, is really where you spend a lot of time on 
creating that content on that site. So some people decide to start a second site because they're like, oh, actually, I've uh, really gotten into uh, kids' lunch recipes, but it doesn't really fit on this site, and they choose to do a second site. So you can think about what you're already doing. But also, like for me, you know, mine, I switched into a completely different niche, but also I did something that I was really interested in, but hadn't had the time to before because it wasn't bringing me in money, as bad as that sounds. I only have so much time and I, I have hobbies, but I didn't have time for another hobby. So I thought I would love to to get good at and to learn more about cookie decorating. I do a lot of royal icing decorating tutorials on my site. Um, you know, and just really get more into cookie baking. So if I combine this interest with a new site, I can explore this, you know, new side of myself or something I want to learn while also sharing it with my audience and sharing these recipes. And I feel like there's always something that people are holding back from their main sites or a part of themselves that they haven't explored, like in the food world yet, or a type of cooking, or, you know, like, like I said, maybe you you now have kids, but you didn't when you started your site. So now you're you're doing lots of like hidden vegetable meals when your audience of experienced chefs like aren't interested in your hidden vegetable recipes. So just kind of being in tune with yourself and there's there's gonna be something that's just been, you know, in the back of your mind. I'd like to explore this more or I really, really enjoy this, but it doesn't seem to fit on my main site. And also doing keyword research if you're wanting to start multiple sites really to diversify your revenue stream using whatever keyword research tools that you use and just seeing what comes up around topics that you type in can really give people ideas of what people are searching for that you might not have thought of. I just thought of a quote. I've heard someone say this recently, and I cannot remember who said this, but I loved it. Success leaves clues. So if you go into your analytics and just kind of look for those clues that your successful content is leaving for you, I think that would be really revealing too. Because maybe you, I don't know, an example for me, I guess, would be like sauces. I started making sauce recipes and I had no idea that they were doing well. And like a couple months later, I went into my analytics. and I was like, oh my gosh, people are loving my sauce recipes. Who knew? And I never would have known that if I didn't dig a little bit to see those clues. So maybe you have something like that that doesn't necessarily align with your whole like blog theme. Um but it's like some little subtopic that you started doing that people actually love. So that could be something to a sauce blog. Are there any sauce blogs out there? I should totally start one. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, there's, and there's so many things that people don't, they're like, oh, that can't be a site. But honestly, I feel like, you know, people do sites about everything these days. Like anything can be a site, you know, a site about cucumber recipes can be a, like, that can be a site. This has been awesome. I'm not even going to ask you for your takeaway because I feel like you did such a great job of just summing everything up that we talked about. Is there anything that you feel like we've missed, Kaylin? We've covered so much and I think everyone listening is probably like, yes, I'm going to go start a second blog. <laughs> I know I am going to think about it more after our talk, but is there anything you feel like we missed? I just think in general, it's this idea that you've got to shift how you view your businesses and, um, you know, 
if you if you at all possible try and detach yourself just just a tiny bit from the idea that we all have one blog based on our personalities and and that's the limit i think people just limit themselves by thinking like that and it's not to say that you can't get rid of you know you can't continue focusing on your main blog or that it's going away but we just get into these mindsets of this is how blogging works this is how i do it and anything outside of that is just too overwhelming or is just not how it's done. But increasingly, if you ask around in like blogging Facebook groups or you talk to bloggers, you know, a lot of people are starting multiple sites. So it's it's definitely going that direction and everyone can do it. As far as I'm concerned, you're the smartest blogger out there right now. This is such a smart strategy. And I'm like, just super impressed by the way you took a travel blog and the way it tanked during COVID and just immediately pivoted. Um, you're my hero, <laughs> Kaylin. <laughs> Thank you, Mary. This is so awesome. Thank you for being here. I had such a fun time talking to you and now I'm going to go brainstorm about my sauce blog. Amazing. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> so before you go, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration for food bloggers, Kaylin? Sure. So my favorite quote is, Trust your hard work. It's unlocking doors you can't see yet. And I just think that relates so much to starting sites in general, but starting multiple sites. You're, you know, you're not going to see those extra opportunities at first, but put in the work, put in the effort, and there's going to be doors opened and opportunities that you can't even see right now. And I just find that pretty inspirational. Oh, that's super inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. We will put together a show notes page for you, Kaylin. So if anyone wants to look at that, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash into the cookie jar. And I'm excited to go look at your site. I did a little bit before we chatted, but I want to dive in a little bit more. But tell everyone the best place to find you online, Kaylin. Sure. So I would suggest going straight to the site into the cookiejar.com. Like I said, I'm also on Pinterest, but I'm not on all of the socials. So you'll have to go to the actual site to see the recipes and see what I'm up to. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.